This week, we are focusing on friendships and building community. This is going to be a spin-off from the subject of the victim mentality since these mindsets so deeply affect how we see ourselves and our place in the community around us. Too many friendships have never been given a chance to form because we are finding ourselves stuck in our place of bondage, but not anymore. Last episode was all about how to break free, and since we are now free, we want to move forward and take our rightful place in the kingdom. It's time to link arms with those around us and be a beacon of light, a source of hope, and a reason to smile. I'm glad you're here, friend. Let's get started. Welcome to Walking on Water, where our focus is to learn to walk by faith and not by sight. What's the storm in your life? I'll never say that it's easy, but Jesus changes our perspective. He gives us courage to do life differently, to throw off the victim mentality that threatens to drown us in our pain, and he gives us the tools we need to live a victorious life. I'm your host, Lynette Carpenter. Let's discover more about the power-filled, faith-filled life Jesus invites us to live. Hey friends, here we are already at the end of season number one. Today is our last episode for season one, and then I will be taking the month of October off, um, preparing for next season, but also um, taking time to help out my husband. We are harvesting right now as we are crop uh, farmers, and so we've got beans and corn coming out of the fields right now. So it's a beautiful time of year. We are really enjoying this time of the year. The weather has been gorgeous. And so I am really excited for the next couple of weeks. I do want to give a quick shout out again about the Michiana Women's Conference that's coming up um, where I will be on the panel speaking. And so that's going to take place in Sturgis, Michigan. Um, So if you are going to be coming to that. Make sure that you come and find me and say hello. I do know that they had a change of venue. So while it was in Indiana before, it's now taking place in Michigan. So make sure that you check that all out. And I'll be sure to add the link to their website um, in the show notes. Another thing that's super exciting is that um, I don't know the date yet, but in a couple of weeks, I am going to be on the Confidence in Christ podcast by Kayla Yoder. And so I will put the link to that on the show notes as well so that you can make sure that you listen in. She has a fantastic um, podcast called Confidence in Christ. She interviews different people, and there's just so much wisdom in her different podcasts that she shared. So make sure that you check that out and go give her a follow. Okay, so last week we wrapped up that two-part series on the victim mentality, and we identified the symptoms we find within a victim mentality, and we discussed how to find freedom from it. And I ended it with a promise to follow up with a discussion on building community, as this is an area where many people struggle, especially when plagued by this destructive mindset. Now, to understand why someone with a victim mentality might struggle with friendships, let's remind ourselves of some of the greatest areas of bondage for the victim mentality. The list can be super long, but in a nutshell, they tend to be negative. They tend to feel powerless. People with the victim mentality, they they don't want to accept advice. They're often open to the long conversations about what they should do, but there's usually excuses wrapped up in there, and they're not teachable. They're not willing to walk away and do something different. Um, They will struggle to accept responsibility for their actions. They are fearful of lack, and they struggle to celebrate blessings in other people's lives. 
Um, the victim mentality will also hold grudges and struggle to forgive, and they have a hard time with trusting others. So with those reminders fresh in our mind, we can easily understand why a victim mindset person will struggle to maintain meaningful friendships. Why? <laughs> well, overall, as people, we prefer positivity, right? We are usually drawn to people who are more positive. Think about the conversations you've had where the other party finds fault in everything. This is wrong. That's wrong. The world's going to hell in a handbasket. And your anxiety rises and you can't wait to get out of the conversation. By the time you're able to walk away, you have less hope, less joy, and you probably feel a little cranky and maybe even really tired. Inwardly, you might be making a mental note to avoid long conversations with that person in the future. Now, this is not because you don't love them, but rather because we can only handle so much. But when in a conversation with someone who displays strength and joy and hope and encouragement, there's something like a magnetic pull that draws us in and we feel safe with them. We feel energized and refreshed and hope-filled. I know people with this type of personality and I love being near them. And let me add too that these are not people who have have escaped the traumas of abuse and hurt and neglect in their life. Some of these friends have really hard stories, stories that would break your heart, but they refused to remain a victim. And if you were to see them, you would see beauty and kindness and grace and love and compassion. These are women who have graciously extended friendship to others in spite of the trauma and pain of their past. Yet so often it's easier for people to sit back and critique the friendships of others rather than to look at themselves and see, is there anything, is there anything that I can do to become a better person that builds other, others up rather than tearing them down? You see, we are created for community. God built this innate desire inside of us to love and to be loved and to belong. In John 13, 34 and 35, Jesus said, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Isn't that interesting? That by our love for one another, people will know we are followers of Christ. And too often, religion and denominationalism get that backwards. It's too often that we focus on how we appear as being that which shows others that we love Jesus. Yet we could all tell countless stories of how people inside the church have failed to take these words of Jesus literally, to love one another as Christ loves us. And considering there's a cross involved, that's a really tall order. It begs the question, what kind of friend am I? I grew up going to church. It's been a huge part of my life. And within that, it is where many of my closest friendships have been formed. That being said, I can also attest to the fact that friendships inside the church can be just as difficult as those outside of the church, and maybe even more so. And why is that? I feel it is because of these very verses. We know how we are to act, yet so often we fail one another. And church hurt is a very real thing. I think it's something that we should look at sometime in a future episode. But don't think that I don't get that. 
I also know that we that when we have love and compassion, humility, mercy, and grace for one another, those friendships inside the church can be the best and most meaningful relationships in our lives. So often I hear people writing off those within the church as being snobby or clicky, and that hurts. And as a leader in the church, I feel the weight of it knowing that there are so many people who are looking for love and acceptance, yet not one of us can universally fill that void for others. Not even on our own, within the walls of our own churches, can any one of us on our own fill the friendship void for everyone in the room. It takes each one of us being willing to open our hearts and to do our part to love others as Christ loves us. And it takes casting off that victim mentality that we talked about and choosing to love as Christ loves. May it never be said that you or I were the ones who stood off to the side, holding grudges, nursing hurts, and allowing the devil to keep us stuck in our place of brokenness. God created us for friendships. He wants to see us in community with others. In community is where we find strength and encouragement. It is where we find those who speak life over us and us over them. And we miss out on this beautiful gift when we are unwilling to do what it takes to cultivate these types of relationships. With all that in mind, let's look at friendship and how to build community. First of all, be authentic, be real. This world is full of counterfeit and people long to find that which is real. Friendships are built, they're built on a foundation of trust. And if you lie to others, if you present yourself as something that you're not, your friendships will never move past the surface level. Now, I want to address an issue where there may be some confusion with this because I am all about being real. At the same time, I refuse to treat you, my friends, any of my friends, with my uncensored, unregulated, uninhibited inner self. There is a redeemed me, and then there is the old me, and that old me I must die to daily. Because when I became a believer, my old self died. I am crucified with Christ, and yet I live. Not I, but Christ who lives within me. That's Galatians 2.20. So now I live in my earthly body, but I must choose daily to die to my old self, my old patterns, my old desires. And if I choose to allow those old ways to have access to those I love, I will hurt others. Does that make sense? You don't always want or need to know (laughs) what I'm thinking, right? And I don't need to know or want to know all the time what you are thinking, And two, sometimes those thoughts, they come from the devil himself. So don't help him out by saying everything that comes into your mind. It's part of the fruit of the spirit to have self-control. Being real is possible without having to say everything that comes to our minds. In fact, I would say it is more authentic to live in a place of self-regulation and to learn to guard our words and actions than it is to do and say whatever we want. Why? Because if we profess to be a believer, then it's time to die to self and refuse to allow ourselves that momentary pleasure of acting however we want. The lie that we so often hear and say is, I'm just being myself, or you don't ever have to wonder what I'm thinking. Well, be careful with that. Pray about that. 
ask the Lord if this is an area where you may need to change as it may be one where you are being deceived by the enemy. I believe he uses this this thought pattern to cause hurt, division, and pain among people today. Okay, so next, it's important to create community and to build friendships. You're going to have to be willing to, are you ready? Meet people. (laughs) Seems obvious, doesn't it? And I know, I know it's not easy. By nature, I am an outgoing person. But at the same time, meeting new people is not always easy for me. This seems to be an issue for many of us. And it's easy to look across the room and see people chatting with each other and just assume that it comes naturally for them. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. But I can tell you that this is an area where I've had my own struggles for many years. Sticking close to those I know best, it's, it's just easiest, right? We know what we're going to get from those relationships, We know what's expected of us in those relationships. And meeting someone new is opening up doors that we've never walked through, and it leaves us feeling uncertain and vulnerable. A few things that I've learned and am learning when it comes to meeting someone for the first time is just to make eye contact. And then another tip would be to say their name several times. This is something I just heard as a piece of advice recently um, from some friends that we met from Slovenia. So if you're listening, shout out to you guys. By nature, people feel good when they hear their names. So say their names and it shows them that knowing them matters to you. And it will also at the same time help you to remember their name. If you struggle with confidence, shift the attention to them. Ask questions about themselves. Ask about their family and their jobs. And depending on the event that you're at, use this as a way to discuss the other person's interest. You can also Google things to ask people. The conversation starters out there are so many. There's so many. They're plentiful. When in conversation, pay attention. Be an active listener. Ignore your phone. Refuse to look at your phone or your watch. The world isn't going to stop if you miss a call or a text. Try to intentionally listen to what they're saying rather than thinking more about what you want to say in return as soon as they stop talking. Now, side note, I will say this. I do have a set tone for my kids because I do answer my kids whenever they call, but that is another subject for another day. Um, another thing to do is to let go of the titles that we give ourselves. For example, saying, I'm too shy, I'm awkward, I have social anxiety. Here's something that I've been convicted of. When we label ourselves in this way of being too shy or too awkward or I have anxiety, um, which is a very real thing, I get that. But we need to be careful when we label ourselves in these ways that we are not doing so to just remove the responsibility, our responsibility in a friendship. Because if I do that, if I say, I am too shy, I feel too awkward, am I labeling myself in this way so that I can remove my responsibility in a friendship and require um, my potential friend to carry the weight of the relationship? This is unfair to them and it sets other people up for failure because so often others aren't going to meet um, the expectations that we've placed on that friendship. Consider this. How do you know that the other person isn't shy as well? Or how do you know that they didn't say hello to you as they walked by because they're lost in thought over a hard conversation that they just had with a child? Or maybe they are dealing with, a, um, with fear from a medical prognosis, or maybe they're struggling in their marriage. Or how do you know that they aren't feeling just as alone and anxious? 
How do you know that they aren't living with the pain of a broken heart? Others may appear to have it all together and the best that life has to offer while carrying the weight of the world on their shoulders. So we return to our verses in John 13, and let's ask ourselves: if Jesus had used you or I as an example, what would relationships look like? What if he had instead put your name or mine in place of his? What if it said in the Bible, as Lynette has loved you, so you must love one another? That is so sobering. What would love on the earth look like today if we were the benchmark for what love is measured by? Jesus' example of loving you and I teaches us that to love like he loved, we must be selfless. We do this by focusing on what we're able to give to the friendship, not just what we get out of it. Remember, we're loving like Christ did, and he was the greatest example of kindness and generosity. And at the same time, another lesson we can learn from Jesus as a friend is that he had healthy boundaries. And in order to continue to be a whole and healthy person, there are times when we need to get away to recharge our emotional batteries. It's easy to feel guilty when someone reaches out for help, but there are times when we have nothing left to give and we need to be okay with that. I am not their savior. You are not their savior. Jesus is. And this is a lesson that I have struggled to learn because I'm mercy motivated. And at times, I let myself get sucked into the giving and the doing and the being more than what God has called me to do and be and give for others. And that's a hard place for me personally. But if my motivation in helping another is so that they will like me better or not be mad at me, that's not God's best. And if this is you, let me warn you that you will ultimately fall into burnout and it could even ruin the relationship. So keep healthy boundaries. Another great way to build community is to serve. I say another great way to build community, in my opinion, it is the easiest, the fastest, and the best way to create community. I can't say enough about serving. I think serving, everybody should serve in some way or another. You can serve in your church. You can serve in your community. There's so many ways that you can serve. Because here's the secret. If you volunteer to serve, you will be working with others who have volunteered to serve, right? which means they likely have a servant's heart. And people with a servant's heart are the best kind of friends. (laughs) Most of my closest friendships have come from serving together. And that would be because I have aligned myself with others who have the same desire to give of themselves. That doesn't mean we always see eye to eye, but I have set myself up for success in my friendships because um, we have started off with the common goal, and that is to serve in some capacity. Serving also gives you something to focus on. So as opposed to a face-to-face conversation over coffee where you struggle to know what to talk about next, instead you're like focused on the job in front of you and maybe you have to discuss what you're doing, but at the same time you can start to throw in other uh, forms of conversation at the same time. And it gives you something to do with your hands and your mind and your words while you're able to observe the other people around you. If you haven't tried serving in some way, try it. If the, area, if the first area of service doesn't work out, try another one. Go in with an open mind and don't be surprised if you end up with friends of varying ages and backgrounds. 
And church leaders, I encourage you to create an environment within your church that invites and empowers members of your community to use their gifts and abilities. At our church, we have an online volunteer form that lists every available area of service. And then we invite others to fill out that form and tick every single box that remotely interests them. Um, so that when a need arises, we have a list of names that our leaders can call on if they need more volunteers in a specific area. But it also does another thing. It helps us as a leadership team to get to know our church family better. Because even if a person never gets called on for a specific area, we can know that since, for example, Sally said she'd like to be open or that she would be interested in serving as a greeter, We maybe don't need her as a greeter, but we know we can probably call on her to help welcome teens at our youth conference. So that's just an example, but church leaders, make your church be a place that is open and welcoming to people to have an opportunity to serve and to use their gifting. If you are not in an area of leadership, but have been waiting for years for someone to ask you to serve in a specific area, offer yourself Please, please have mercy on your church leadership team. How could they ever know that you have wanted to serve in teen ministry or work at registration or join the worship team if you've never told them? So put yourself out there, lay down your pride, take your eyes off yourself, put your eyes on him and volunteer to serve and see what happens. Remember that when it comes to friendships, you're looking for quality over quantity. Don't get off track by wanting to be in a certain friend group, especially if it causes you to miss out on the gift that is right in front of you. Be the kind of friend to others that you want someone to be to you. I want to close by sharing advice I have given to my kids when it comes to friends. Look at friendship kind of like a pond, a little watering hole. (laughs) Some friendships are best kept at a surface level. Your kind, of course, but this is just the waiting in the shallows kind of relationship. These are good and they're beautiful in their own way. In the shallows, we just talk about surface level things. This is not a place for much depth. You don't share secrets and you don't require anything from one another. And you can have many, many friends in this in the shallows with you. Um, that can be like unlimited amount of friends. But then there are the friends that you go a little bit deeper with. And we, we go to the place where we still have our heads above water and we can still touch the ground. And there aren't as many in this area. The number of friends at this level has changed because everyone is in a different place in life and not all will want to go to this depth with you. These friends are the ones that, as a rule, you're going to do life with. You have deeper conversations. There's more trust than the other, um, than what the other would be at the shallows. And you have more capacity to give and take here in this place of deeper friendship. But then there are the very few who you take with you to the very center of the pond, the ones that go with you to the very deepest place, to the area where you may have to rely on the other if you lose your ability to stay afloat. You want to know that in this place you can trust your friend and that they can trust you. Those middle-of-the-pond friends know the good, the bad, and the ugly, and they love you anyway. You hold them up when they're too tired to keep swimming, and they do the same for you. This level of friendship is the most deep, deep and meaningful. It's actually what I would consider to be a sacred place. Don't be quick to go to that space with just anyone. Take time to observe. Take time to pray. 
Let your mutual trust for one another have time to grow. If you've been hurt in a friendship, I first of all want to say that I'm so sorry. I know this is difficult and lonely and exhausting um, of a place to be. A lack of communication or being misunderstood can so easily cause conflict. But if the friendship is worth it, reach out. Ask to have a heart-to-heart conversation and do what you can to clear the air. But some friendships are okay to let go of. And as hard as that sounds, it's true. If you leave your time with your friend and feel shame for how you acted or the things you said or the things you did, you need to ask God to give you clarity on what this friendship should look like moving forward. I know that this subject of friendship and community has so many angles we could look at, and I know some have tried for so long, um, and they've written off the idea of even being open to friendship anymore. And if that's you, I I understand. And I'm not trying to talk you into finding a friend if you don't feel the need. But I do want to remind you one more time that though you may not feel the need to build a community around you, there may be someone out there who needs you to come alongside of them. So be open to what God might be trying to speak to you in this area and then go and love others as he loves you. That's a wrap for season one, my friends. Enjoy your October and God willing, I will see you back here in November. In the meantime, make sure to follow my Instagram, which is also in the show notes, and I'll be checking in from time to time with some content questions, as well as hopefully being able to offer some other bits of joy, hope, and encouragement along the way. Until then, bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. Please take a moment to share this with a friend or on your social media accounts. In fact, tag me on Instagram and I'll be sure to reshare it on my stories. Also, don't forget to hit that follow button so you don't miss an episode. I hope that you were encouraged and inspired today. Always remember, your life has purpose, you have value, you are loved, and with Jesus, you can rise above your storm. Get out of the boat, friend. Let's walk on water.